W.C. Fields was a comedian from a couple um, generations ago, and he said, start off every day with smile and get it over with. <laughs> uh, his uh, humor was uh, partially true. We should start out every day with a smile, but keep doing that throughout the day. I remember on many occasions, and my mom said, Joel, you need to tell your face to smile. Life's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that serious all the time. And there's ample research to show us that even just a little bit of a smile, a change in our disposition or how we look at other people can change the way that they feel about us, the message that they receive, and really could change their day. In fact, 60% of Americans say that a smile from a stranger improves their day. Maybe you've experienced that, and maybe you, maybe even unknowingly, have passed that along to somebody else. Just a, a, a nice hello or a smile to someone who maybe you've never seen before or never see again can influence them and can turn them in a better direction. In fact, finding more happiness in this life could be a very simpler vocabulary change. Some research shows that implementing words like some can alter our perspective in life and our sense of well-being. Instead of claiming that everything is bad and everything is terrible, we change for the word some. Try saying, well, some things are going well and some things are not. It's like the old axiom is true, never say never, except for when you're talking about saying never. <laughs> Just rule that out. But instead of saying everything is against me, everything is bad, say, well, some things are, but some things are not. And regardless of my circumstances, when I recognize who I am and what God has done for me, that I, I rest in that promise, that I am his and he is mine, and God is there to protect and to provide for us. So even in the face of difficult things, what happens is our outlook on life, our outlook on other people, our outlook on our circumstances can change just from little simple, simple things like a smile or a warm greeting or changing the vocabulary that we choose to say because words matter and words are important and words convey truth. And oftentimes, and even in times when things are as bad as you think they are, we have an outlook that is bigger than those. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, Jesus says this. This is one of about seven different pictures that Jesus gives us in the gospel of John about who he is. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the way, the, the, the way and the truth and the life. Here Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but by climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name, and he leads them out. Verse 4, when he has brought them all out, all his own, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And as is still true today, uh, John editorializes and tells us here in verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used, this was a figure of speech Jesus used with him, but they did not understand what Jesus was saying with them. If we could pause there for just a minute and take a breath and go, 
We're not the only ones that don't understand everything that Jesus is saying to us, but what Jesus often does and continues to do is what he did right here with the disciples is they didn't get it, so he explained it more clearly. Verse 7 continues. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. If we pause there for a minute and you go back up and look at your Bibles at verse 4 and 5, why didn't the sheep listen? Because that voice came from somebody they knew or from a, a stranger, from somebody that they didn't know. And they weren't going to follow that voice because they knew that it wasn't their shepherd. Anyway, they did not listen, verse 8. Back into verse 9. And Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and that my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. And I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now what happens after Jesus said these things, verses 19 and 20 and 21, tell us what's going on in the environment, what's happening as Jesus delivers this message. Verse 19, there was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon, he is insane, why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus tells us that he is our shepherd, not just any shepherd, not just some hired hand. Not, he's not just there to complete a task or do a job, but he's there because he loves us and the Father has sent him to us and he, he hears us and he knows us. And perhaps what's just as important is that Jesus wants to make sure that you know his voice so that you will not be deceived and you'll be able to recognize when there's a voice of a stranger calling you off to do something that you shouldn't. We are the sheep. Not a very flattering description if you know anything about sheep. They're not very smart. They get themselves in trouble. They're skittish and they scare easily and they do things that aren't for their own good. But what they need is a shepherd. They need a shepherd to protect them, to keep them from going out and from hurting themselves. They need a shepherd to keep 
harm from coming into getting them. They need a shepherd to open the gate, to let them out into pasture so they can eat. And the shepherd does his best to make sure that the pasture is also a place where they can be safe and cared for. What we need to know above anything else is the voice of the good shepherd. What Jesus' voice is, and the better you familiarize yourself with the words of Jesus, the more likely you're going to be to spot someone who's trying to pretend to be Jesus. Because the more I know what God has said and continues to teach me, the more that I'm going to be able to recognize, and you're going to be able to recognize in your life that still small voice of God when you can just tell that, no, 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 that's not it. Because there are things in this life that are obvious that we know that we shouldn't do that we know that are bad for us because, one, we have sense, at least some days, and two, that God has taught us and he has informed us about what is good and what is not, how I should behave and what I should do and what I should never, ever do. But it's maybe those small, subtle things where we go, well, should I or should I not? Should I pick up the phone and call? Should I apologize even though I don't feel like I did anything wrong? And listening to the voice of God guiding us, listening and really expecting God to be present, to fill ourselves with his word, to know that this is what my father says. And this is what I'm supposed to turn around and do. Matt Emerson was a self-absorbed narcissist until his therapist assigned him to read Rick Warren's book. The Purpose Driven Life. The opening line of the book threw him off, and Rick begins his book with these four words. It's not about you. It's not. It's not about you. Your life, ultimately, is not about you. Your life is about the one that created you and gave you life, and it's about God. And, and my life is to be a beacon of light that point people to God that other people can see Jesus through me, that they can see God through me, through the way that I act and interact and read and respond in this life. But Matt, when he read those words, he eventually got it and his whole world changed. He wrote a book that said every, called Every Monday Matters and launched a movement to change the way that people think. In an interview, Matt said, if you want to feel better about yourself, stop focusing on yourself. It's so simple, but it's so hard for us to seem to understand. Charles Dickens put it this way. He said, a day wasted on others is not a day wasted on yourself. Warren Buffett is, Buffett is not only among the world's most wealthiest individuals, but he's also established himself as one of the biggest donors um, of money. He's given away over $30 billion in his lifetime. Um, being the most successful investor of all time seems to be kind of complicated, but Buffett has said on more than one occasion, he said there seems to be some perverse human characteristic that likes to make easy things difficult. I find that to be true in my faith and in my life. We like to overcomplicate things. We like to ask a bunch of unnecessary questions. A lot of times questions are good and they help and they help us to learn. They help us to understand. They help us to deepen our faith in some cases. But a lot of times we ask all these questions when the simple answer is just let's obey. And let's do what God said. Let's do what he has told for us to do. We don't want to make easy things difficult. And that can in, uh, fall on the spectrum of anything from investing to evangelism. 
So much of what needs to be done in this life by the church, by you, and by me goes unfinished because we make it too complicated to accomplish. We need to keep it simple enough so that we can succeed. And what happens is we read not just John chapter 10, but if we read this gospel message from one of Jesus' closest disciples. We get this picture of Jesus, and what we have is that Jesus reveals God's heart. He reflects what God reflects. He is the radiance of the existence of God. He is a bright, shining light in our lives. And Jesus reveals God's heart. The overwhelming emphasis in the Gospel of John, not just here in chapter 10 where he says, I am the good shepherd, but it is about telling the world who God is and what God is like. John goes so far to say in his Gospel that he says, no one has in fact seen God. Not Abraham, not Moses, not David. They might have caught a glimpse through the back, but they haven't fully experienced the presence of God. And no one has seen the God of Israel, but the only God, only God who is at the Father's side. He has made them known. John 1.18. John's picture of Jesus in this fourth gospel goes on to repeat this theme by saying, here's some verses. It says Jesus says, I do whatever the Father does. John 5.19. My teaching is not mine, but it is God's. John 7.16. If you knew me, you would know my Father, John 8, verse 19. Again, in John chapter 8, verse 29, Jesus says, I do the things that are pleasing to God. Twice, once in John 10, 30, and again in John 17, verse 21, Jesus says that I and the Father are one. And whoever sees me sees God. John 12, 45. Oh, if that were true of my life all the time. What if whoever sees me sees God? Well, you know what? It is true. Sometimes whether I like it or not, we are created in the image of our Father. And a lot of times, people, when they know that you are a believer, that you are a Christian, that you spend time coming together to church, that when they see you, they're going to associate you with the Father. Hopefully, and hopefully that's in a good way. Hopefully that reflects well on our Father. And hopefully it doesn't drag His good name through the mud. Hopefully that I can say this thing as Jesus did, that when people see me, they see God. But it's difficult. It's challenging for us when we try to overcomplicate things and make them harder than they need to be. Erwin Corey was a, a comedian who spent several decades perfecting his, his line about he was the world's foremost authority. A wide variety of his issues, his political views and other stuff are kind of crazy as most people tend to be. Uh, but he did have this classic line on change. He says, if we don't change direction soon, we'll end up where we're going. If we don't change direction soon, we're going to end up where are we going? If I look at my life as a believer and I don't like the fruit that's being produced, or I don't see any fruit that's being produced, if I don't change where I'm doing, if I don't change direction, I'll end up where I'm going. 
I'll keep getting the same results over and over and over again. Why am I angry all the time? Why am I short? Why am I upset? Why am I not contented in my life? Why don't I ever spend time in God's Word? Why don't I ever turn to God for His wisdom, for His counsel, for His advice? Why don't I ever ask God to counsel me and to show me the way that I need to be? Recognizing what is happening in our relationship with others and our relationship with God. If it's not accomplishing, if it's not healthy, if it's not what we want, if it's not giving us the intended outcome, We've got to do something different. We have to change. We're not changing the message. Maybe we change the method. Daniel Borstein was an American historian, educator, and a librarian of Congress. He made a statement about education that can be applied to discipleship, I think, pretty easily. He says, education is learning what you didn't even know you didn't know. It's learning what you didn't even know you didn't know. I didn't even know that I didn't know that. I didn't even realize that I'd overlooked this very simple truth that I'm supposed to recognize the voice of God. It's not to be this mysterious thing that I cannot understand that I have to have somebody else explain it to me but that I should become so familiar with the Father and His voice that I can hear it when there's a lot of noise in life and when it's really quiet. There's no better way to know what the Father will continue to tell me in my life than to know what He has already told me. To let His Word dwell in my heart, the Scriptures say, so that I might not sin against God. One thing that I also know to be true is that God will still speak and He'll still communicate and He'll still talk to us and He will let us know but I also know that God will not contradict himself. And if you ever find you think that God is leading you and talking to you and telling you to do something that violates what he has already given us in his word, well, guess which one is wrong? Because God, he's probably not about to make an exception of you to go against everything else that he has already taught into his word. It wasn't that long ago that a lawmaker in the state of Nebraska um, commented that their state flag needed to be redesigned that, because they noticed that nobody saw it flying upside down on the state capitol for 10 days. State Senator Burke Haar expressed his concern over the fact that it was flying outside the state capitol while legislators were in session and it didn't even garner any attention. I'll show you a picture of it, I think. And you could see how that would easily be. The blues kind of washed out into the background. But you can see it's just this, the seal of the state of Nebraska with some words on it. Just very simple. could very easily be hung upside down if you're not paying attention. But the senator was concerned because it had flown upside down for 10 days while they were in session. Politicians there and it didn't garner any attention. After seeing it so easy for that to go undetected, but more importantly, they wanted to make a change because they didn't want that for it to happen again. Sometimes I wonder if some things in my life can be so overlooked that I'm flying something upside down, I'm doing it completely backwards, but I'm not paying attention enough to notice. Or that I'm too busy, I don't have enough margin built into my life, that we don't have enough margin and space built into our lives to see even the most seemingly innocent of errors. 
But I know one thing that I know for sure, it will not go unnoticed when people begin to love God as he told us to. To love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And when we do that, we will have what Jesus talked about in John 10.10. Easy to remember, John 10.10. John 10.10. John 10.10. Not Ren 10.10, but John 10.10. Let me make sure that's the right verse. Let me see what this says. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. The abundant life does not come from this world. It does not come from stuff. It doesn't come from accumulating. The abundant life comes from the Father. May we know his voice so that we hear it and do the things that he said. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are grateful for you and all that you do for us. God, we become very familiar with voices in this life where we can pick them out and we can recognize them. And Father, I pray that we spend enough time with you as our Father that we know your voice. We know when you're speaking to us. We recognize the urgings and the prompts of the Holy Spirit to behave differently, to be obedient to you. God, we are so grateful for all that you do. God, we are grateful as we come together as the church to worship you and to honor you. God, we love you. We're so glad that you hear us. In Jesus' name, amen.